So you've got to show up on your social media as a personal brand, and you're trying to figure out how to stand out in the sea of sameness. And all of that comes down to positioning, which is why I have today's guest on the show, Hillary Weiss, to talk all about positioning and what it actually means for you and your business. Let's get into it. Before we get into it, we have a little ad spot from our sponsor, Riverside. It's the digital virtual recording studio we use for our podcast. You get 15% off when you use the code DREA, D-R-E-A, at checkout. Click the link in the show notes and check out Riverside for yourself. And with that, Hillary, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This is a wonderful day. Obviously, I'm so obsessed with you and your work and obsessed with the work we did together. And it's just been a joy. So I'm so happy to be here. Yay! I'm excited to pick your brain even more. So for context, listeners, um, Hillary and I worked together earlier last year on my positioning. You may have noticed on my social things sounding a little more buttoned up. That's all thanks to the work that we did with Hillary. And so today I want to talk about positioning. But first, you didn't start off as this kind of like creative director role. No. You started off as a copywriter, right? I sure did. Yeah. I think that's when you and I met like a million, billion years ago. Yes. Yeah. I So I was a copywriter for 10 years in the online space. I got my start uh, in 2011. So it was like before you could throw a rock and hit a six steps to six figures in online business. Um, course of program. So it was very like the, the, I mean, I'll be clear. The industry is the wild west. Now it was even more of the wild west then. So a big part of what I was doing in copywriting was kind of working with people who needed gaps filled in the strategy before I could even do my job. Um, cause I had people come to me and they're like, I actually don't know who my audience is, or I actually don't know what my offers are. Can you help? Or I don't like, this feels incomplete. I think I want to do this, but maybe it's actually that. Can you help me? And at the time, you know, well-meaning, well-meaning little, uh, little gal that I was, I was like, okay, well, if I need, I need to do this to do my job. And then the more I did it, the more, and as time goes on, as happens to many copywriters, it's very much a matter of like, oh, I should probably be getting paid for this. Hang on. I can be actually charging more for the work I'm doing for free so I can do my job. Fascinating. (laughs) Curious, you might say. Um, so I really found my way into more strategy from there. I started doing messaging strategy. And then I realized what I was actually doing was focusing on the uh, audience differentiators, offer suite, and like ultimate USP that these brands were working on, helping them get clear on that so that we could do the overall messaging work, we could do the copy work. And I realized that really was positioning. Um, And so I started to make the move into more of that and also into more creative direction because I realized I loved doing visual branding. Um, so I started doing more and more creative direction work as well. So I fully retired from copywriting in 2020. Um, <laughs> in July of 2020. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, it was supposed to be March of 2020. But there was something. I don't know if you heard about this, but the coronavirus huh. or something. Yeah. Like It's like the beer, but it's like a vi- Anyway. Um, but yeah, COVID came and got us all. And I was like, oh, shit. I don't think I can actually retire from copywriting after all. Um, I lasted a few more months and then I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I think I need to make this jump. I'm going to do it through myself, a big retirement party on zoom. And I've been doing this, uh, this work ever since. So the business is about 50, 50 creative direction and positioning. Okay. So mm-hmm. creative direction and, and kind of what you described to me, I think some people would think that as like business strategy or business coaching, what's the difference between business strategy and creative direction? 
So there's, it's got visuals. Um, so it just sort of depends on how you do it. The word creative director, I think it's being a little overused in the space in terms of just like a, a person who directs some creative project, but that's neither here nor there. It's always been a bit of a blanket term, depending on what industry or focus or discipline you come from. Um, but for me, I find when I do creative direction work, um, just depending on how it's done, my done for you creative direction, where I just take it from my client's hands and put the pieces together myself, you have to come with all those uh, business elements ready. So you've got to be clear on your offer suite, your signature frameworks, you got to be clear on where you want the business to go in the next three to five years, whatever. And we develop a really strong brand concept and then verbal and visual brand from there. Mm. Um, but I also offer a an approach to creative direction that's a little bit more build your business around the positioning focus, and then we do the visuals on top of that. So there's kind of two roads yeah. to get my creative direction support. One that's done for you, you've got everything great. And the other one that's a little bit actually more coaching focused, positioning focused initially, and then we add on um, the visual concept because as a logical next step. Yeah. So those are kind of two ways to get in there. Yeah. And those foundations are key. And I think one of the things that helped me the most in our work together is I'm way too freaking close to my brand and I'm looking at myself, I'm looking at my competitors and I'm like, we kind of, we kind of sound the same. And that's where positioning comes into play. But for those people who are listening, you know, how do they approach positioning? Like what, what's kind of the first step to thinking about it? I think for me, the big part is exactly what you described, which is looking around and thinking what makes me different. Um, because I think the big challenge for a lot of folks is that you look around the industry and when one person has a good message, it tends to kind of trickle down. And they're like, oh, that's, and you know, your competitors go like, oh, that's perfect. We got to do a variation on that. Or we do something similar. So it all, this is where the sea of sameness kind of starts to come together. Um, it's not, I wouldn't say the industry as a whole is monkey see, monkey do. I think that that is very, you know, casting a, a negative light on what is very natural Uh, We are herd animals. So when we see something working for another human, we're like, okay, let me give this a shot. Um, But the differentiator is a really, really big one. But I always encourage people to think about um, your brand is less a single thing and more of an amalgamation of things. Mm. Um, And when I think about positioning, I forget who coined it. I didn't come up with this like structured approach, but I find the best way to think about positioning, especially the kind of concept-based positioning that I do, it's at the intersection of who is your audience? What are their challenges and goals? Uh, what are your differentiators? What is it that you are uniquely bringing to the table Like when it comes to your background or the way you do things or the experiences that you offer clients? And then we think about your offer suite. Okay, you know, are you more retainer style? Like if you're in service, like are you more retainer style? Are you more big project and done? Do you come on in like a, a member of the team capacity? Are you a coach who creates this like, transformation in a really short span of time or, you know, all of these sort of things are questions you need to be asking yourself in terms of what are your offers and what is distinct about them? Why are they structured the way that they are? And then of course the unique selling proposition. So based on all of these sort of things and what can you promise people that is really powerful and attractive to your target market, all of that comes together to form what I call a positioning concept, which is really just like a big idea that's a North Star for everything you do from then on. Because I find conceptual thinking when it comes to social media, when it comes to branding, we're all asked to take essentially take on these huge projects in the online space. 
of these just massive, massive projects of, you know, social media. You got to be the face of the business and the product. You're serving clients. You're mar- you're a marketer. You are, you have to be visible. You have to be a content creator. You have to be an email person. You have to be a really brilliant offer. about like, you just need to be able to do all these things. So having a conceptual North star that you can, uh, that you understand that ties everything together really just makes it easier to think about what's priority and what's not and think about the future and think about how do you want to position yourself and frame what you do as a whole, um, just sort of across the board. I find a lot of people spin out when they're at, sort of thinking about strategy, thinking about how they want to show up, thinking about their message, because it's all so broad. Yeah. Um, it's all just so big. And it's of course, it's impossible to wrap your head around. Yeah. So I find having a concept is really powerful because that sort of gives you something to anchor into. It's easy to remember. It's easy to remember, okay, like this, everything fits under this. So it sort of gives you a direction to go a North Star, so to speak, um, so that you stop asking so many different questions and spinning out. Um, and everything kind of, while it may take ver- be variations on a theme, it all falls under this bigger umbrella. Yes, I love it. And, and honestly, y'all listening to this, um, this helped us this year in trying to decide what else to create next. So when working with Hillary, we came up with lightweight social media strategies for industry heavyweights. So now when, yes. I'm, when I'm coming up with something, I'm going, is this lightweight? And is this for people who want to make a big impact? Like it's, it's, answers questions for me because it does give me a direction, but it doesn't yeah. box me in so much that I have to be, um, I think I used to say simple social media. It, yeah. Everyone says that, right? Yeah. And, it, and like simple is not, it's like, it's not simple anymore. It's not easy anymore. So I can't really say that. Yeah. Um, and so that that's what I love about the work that you do is that North Star element. Yeah. And one of the things you said that I want to touch on as well is that you also look at people's offers. I find that a lot of people in, let's say, branding um, yeah. focus so much on you know, the unique selling proposition or just the audience. And I do think the offer is a huge piece of that. Yeah. And even if your offers are still developing, I still think that that's a huge piece of like what how do you present this? So I like that you yeah. also have that as a part of your package too. Thank you. It's uh, it's, it's it's so important to look at. Like the offer suite is a spinal cord of the business, and it gives you so much information yeah. about what how people like to work, who they're serving, what's working, and what's not. Um, because there's so many different ways that you can create an offer now. You know, um, is it a VIP day style? Is it like an, an intensive of any kind? Are we, do we prefer to be retainer and lock in for six months to a year so we can see results? Like there's just so many variations that also speak to the larger story of the brand. And I think this is also a benefit of coming into the creative direction and positioning strategy side of things from the copywriter perspective, mm. because as a copywriter, you have to know. Like a lot of people get into creative direction, especially from the design side. And while it's important, you don't need to know for design in the same way that you do for copy. So for me, it would just, it would be like walking around with one leg, you know, doing the whole strategy. You've got to have both legs down. You got to understand how the whole anatomy of the business works in order to brand it properly and give you a concept that's usable, you know? Yeah. Okay. I want to also ask a question about being unique because I get this question a lot. And of course, authenticity is a buzzword, right? Uh So how do we start thinking about our unique selling proposition? Like, How do we start thinking about what makes us different from everyone else out there? 
Oh man, the, the million dollar question, truly. If I when I have a nicely packaged um, answer for you, but I'll, I'll give you the I'll make a million dollars, but I'll I'll give you sort of my best take on this now is to the to the point we were talking about earlier. Like it is less about like what is I, you know, it's it's so much easier if you're doing like a if you're like a plumber, you know, where it's like I sell plumbing to. People with Victorian houses, done, easy. Like you have your unique selling props, someone's sewage tanks, they're, you're, I don't know, I don't own a house. What do sewage things do? Um, when the sewage does its thing incorrectly, in comes the plumber because they have this unique specialty. For business, because there's so many different directions you can go, I encourage people to think about, you know, what is it that, sort of think about elements beyond just what do I do for a type of person? There's what do I do for a type of person? Sure, which is important, but how do you do it? Do you create a really calm environment? Are you really fast paced, get in, solve the problem? Are you hyper analytical and perfectionist? Um, what are the qualities of the people that you're doing this for? That they're going to value your work specifically. Maybe they love luxury. Maybe they're super no-nonsense people themselves. So they want somebody to come in, give them what they need on a silver platter, and then pull out. You really need to think more deeply about the experience as a whole that you're creating with the business for your unique selling proposition. So just basically add a third element beyond like, I do this for this type of person by and finish sort of that that final element, which brings in, of course, the offer suite, which we talked about, which a lot of people miss. Um, but I think for you, it's the uh, heavyweights who want this lightweight strategy. That's speaking to this, the experience that you're offering people, yeah. where these people are industry heavyweights, you know, they're busy, they're doing their thing, and they don't have a lot of time to spend on social media, but it needs to actually work. It needs to be pared down to the best of the best strategies and things that will work for them because these people are time poor, because they don't like being on social media 24 yeah. seven, because they know social media is awesome, but not easy, which was a big qualifier we talked about. Um, and so that when you think, when thinking about USP, if you just focus on what you do for what kind of person, you're going to sound like everybody else. There's always this third element or je ne sais quoi, which is about the experience that you offer people, the feeling almost, um, or in, in your case, the biggest value is a strategy. I mean, excuse, correct me if I'm wrong, but like such a huge value of what you do is giving people only what works. Yeah. Like I'm the, we're not going to waste your time. You're not going to be doing TikTok dances if your people aren't over there, you know, and that is something that people who fall into your category, which are these businesses who are ready for the type of work that you do, that is important and valuable to them. Yeah. So really just think, putting yourself in the shoes of your target and thinking about the experience that you're offering will really help to probably unlock some things that feel a bit more unique in your unique selling proposition than just being like, I do social media for people on the internet. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think that's that, how I see it anyway. I love it. And I, that's what I love about this work is because it is focused on the feeling as well, the experience. Yeah. And I think that that some, some people discredit that, right. They, yeah. they think that, Oh, that's how everyone does it. But that is something unique that you bring to the table, which I love. I love. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to get nosy about your own social strategy. So okay. we'll take a break. I'm ready. If you're tired of always feeling like you're starting from scratch with your marketing content, spending so much time uh, for something that just 
is gone. In a snap, I have the best solution for you. It is called the Digital Brain Power Pack, our brand new resource for online business owners. And it's designed so that you don't have any more one hit wonders. You get to store all of your best content in your very own custom created digital vault. So you can repurpose eloquently and you can say goodbye to the never ending desire or need we feel to create completely custom content on social media. Grab the Digital Brain Power Pack today for only $17 and your past content is pure gold. So with this Digital Brain, we are going to mine that content for the gold that it is, shine it up, repackage it, rejuvenate it, and make it feel brand new again, even though you're posting old content on social media. Okay, so what does the Digital Brain Power Pack come with? It comes with our Digital Brain training, so you can really kickstart your journey, know where to start, how to update it. It comes with the ready-to-use template in Airtable, which is my tool of choice when it comes to building out digital brains. It comes with real-life examples, so you can see digital brains in the wild. And yes, you'll get to peek at my own digital brain. Sneaky, sneaky. And oh, if you are an agency or social media manager, I have a mini training for you in there on how to do this for your clients. So if you are ready to take your content past, present, future to the next level, grab the digital brain power pack. It's $17, y'all. And give that endless hustle the boot and embrace your brilliance the things you've already created again $17 the link is onlinedrea.com slash digital dash brain but y'all know the best link is in the show notes click it there I'll see you there okay Hillary I love the carousel posts you post on Instagram but I want to kind of take a step back because you didn't always do it that way yeah um what was your strategy right before that Oh God. Oh my, nobody's asked me that. Oh my, what was my strategy before that? That's a good question. I, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, the big thing that happened right before, and I'll I'll think about that strategy. So I'm I'm actually stalling a little bit, but I do want to give you a little bit of context. Um, What the decision I made last summer was actually to take my content back from the person who'd been doing it for me. I had somebody on my team, not like a, I worked with a really great CMO. i Big ups to working with an amazing social strategy team like Andrea's. That's they will save your life. And I was at a space where I had kind of passed that on to my team. We kept repurposing old content of mine, so I was like, okay, this is enough. Like the, uh, this is a lot of content from my copywriting days. I don't believe a lot of this anymore necessarily. Like my mind has changed. I've learned so much. I need to take back the reins of my copywriting. Um, like I need to just take it all. I need to take it back. I need to. Um, or not my copywriting, excuse me, my social media. I just need to start writing to figure out what I actually think yeah. um, and to start sharing from the me now, so to speak. Um, but prior to that, it was a lot of repurposing. I found that stuff that did best, so I didn't really write carousels. I did pretty long form captions, mm-hmm. which were very in vogue for a while before carousels kind of became the thing. Um, prior to that, I was also trying to make it work with reels. And I can do reels. I can, you know, they're nothing better for reach on Instagram. They're still rewarding them so much. But I was really trying to master how do I actually use these for the type of work that I do. And a lot of it was 
here's the real, read the caption and these long captions, which is fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think for me, I felt so, it just didn't feel as fulfilling for me to do it that way. And I'll still, I'll still listen. There's again, nothing wrong with that strategy. I will still do it that way. But for the way I like to write, squishing everything into short form really made it difficult for me to feel like I could get into the weeds in the way that I wanted to. And my clients are, if a client is watching this, I just yelled at somebody about getting too in the weeds with their content. So not don't get so in the weeds that you get lost. But for me, I just like to do the deeper stuff. And I was seeing carousels going around and everyone was doing those like screenshot iPhone notes carousels, yeah. you know, against the white, which is fine. I'm so being so pragmatic here. Uh, one of my clients, actually a colleague of mine called it the dry shampoo of content, where it's just like, yeah, it's fine. But like, it's not, come on now, we're all like, at least try for your people. Um, <laughs> but for, so prior to that, it had been a mix of reels. It had been a mix. I did some long form captions. I was just kind of playing around. Um, I had found that Instagram had really worked for my business. I also do really well on stories. I'll do deep dives. I'll do, and that's the other thing. I love doing long form on stories and I, everybody will tell you, and they're all wrong that people don't read anymore. People will read when it's good. So I realized that I was having the most fun doing stories and long form there. So I was like, okay, let me bring it over to uh, carousels. I think I can sort of take, it started repurposing emails that I liked, trying to shorten them down. And then it became, I would, I will actually write in carousels first and then repurpose onto email. Um, and it's just a really great, it's very shareable. It brings people into their, into your world. People seem to love them. Um, like they, they're easily the best performing of any of my posts and with the exception of posts about my cats, which the internet just really loves. Um, but yeah, so pro again, prior to that, I would say it's a little more random. Um, I'm on a daily post cadence now because I can and I enjoy it. Back then, though, it was only three posts a week and stories every day, which is really all you need for, I would say, maintenance. It's like the maintenance phase of social media. So I was like, okay, how do I continue to grow this account and do the stuff that I enjoy? I can't do it if I'm not writing and you know, like creating content in the style that I enjoy and writing was always my first love. So off we went to carousels. Yes. See y'all, this is what I keep saying about preference matters. Yes. You can, it, just because you can do video mm -hmm. doesn't mean that's your strength and you yeah. found your strength. I love that you said, um, it's not that nobody reads anymore. People read if it's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so, yep, exactly right. Yeah. I think when you find your strength and you find your preference and how you want to deliver your content, that will show up in the results themselves. Yeah. So you also, you focus in on Instagram. Has it always been Instagram for you? No. Okay. No, not at all. It was the start of my career. It was much more Twitter, okay. um, much more Twitter and Facebook. I mean, the, the artist formerly known as Twitter, the platform formerly known as Twitter, <laughs> the new name of which we shall not speak. Um, but the, so actually, yeah, I got my start on Twitter. I actually started my career on Twitter because a friend of mine sent me a copywriter's website who happens to be very active on Twitter. And I like stalked her for like six months. And then I reached out and I asked her if she needed a minion to do her bidding. And she was like, actually, yes. Um, so that's how I, I got my, my whole career started with a DM. That's True wild. enough. That was Alexander Friends and God bless her. Excuse me. Um, but Facebook was also a really great spot for me for a while. But this, what I think is important to note, because a lot of service providers go like are, get really startled by this transition when they move away from deliverables and more into strategy and thought the thought leadership space. Um, there's this gap. 
So you know where we talked about the plumber, like you need your thing fixed, I'll come and do it. For creative service providers in the space, it's very much the same thing. For me as a copywriter, I rarely had to market myself. Like I just didn't have to do like promote my offers. I just, it was literally like a contact form on my site. Here's what I can do for you. Come on in. Um, it was easy. Your name gets passed around when you're good at, when you're good at what you do, you get referred a lot. And I was very grateful for the network that I was able to create and the people who sort of found me along the way. But when I wanted to do something different, when I realized I wanted to be in more of like a thought leader, strategist, creative director, positioning person space, I needed to start talking about stuff in public. And I had these offers that were new and that nobody understood what they actually were. So I had to talk about them. So I had to start bridging that marketing gap. And this, I started doing that, I would say, when I started writing in earnest for myself, like back in like 2015, 2016. So I started writing on Medium and then my writing got passed on to Facebook and that it sort of picked up there. And I did really well on Medium for a while, which was great. I have since abandoned the platform, but whatever. Um, the So I was on Medium and Facebook for a while. And then it wasn't until I want to say Instagram was more of my fun platform. Like I used to take a lot of my own photos and like, it was more of like a slice of life in New York city type of thing. I got really obsessed with Instagram when it first came out, yeah. like we all did. And I would do like the outside editing and like the Snapseed app and like all of those things. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, a, I remember Snap. That is a core memory is yep. what that is. I always use the Valencia was the best filter, whatever, but I, I hadn't really thought about it as an opportunity, really a space where my clients were or an opportunity for business. But I think the way Instagram has evolved since Meta bought it is to be a little bit more, it's much more of a content space now than it was then where it was largely images. I didn't get how it could work because I didn't work in a visual space at the time. I was writing copy. So I had a team member at the time who I hired say like, I think this could be a great platform for you because you have good taste where you're moving in this visual direction. Um, and there's all kinds of things that you can kind of do on the platform and it's growing so what if we've sort of planted your flag here? And that was in, I want to say 2018, okay. maybe 2019. Um, and ever since, it's just been my platform. I just love it. This It's just everything I could want. Um, where it's like, we got the reels, we got stories, we got posts, carousels. Like, it's just, it's it's my little happy place. And I'm getting used to TikTok, but it's still a little bit, I'm like, oh, this is for the children. Like, there's too, <laughs> there's too much going on here. Um, and not to say there's not too much going on on Instagram, but for me, it just became a place where I found it easier to have conversations. Yeah. Um, because Facebook, it just got really crowded. Like, I cannot even open my Messenger app most of the time because I will go blind. It's just, like, endless, like, posts and there's ads everywhere and you're just like... Bleh who am I? Where am I? Um, and just the spam DMs are so for real. And they're just a little bit more control un, under control on Instagram. So it just sort of became the natural next step. Yeah. Okay. Now I love your Instagram carousel posts. Um, I find I do read them and I like people read when it's good people people read. read. And I also see other people sharing them. Um, so yeah. I definitely can see how it's working for you. I'm curious about your process. You said you used to start off as an email, turn to mm-hmm. Instagram. Now you're writing straight on Instagram. Yeah. Um, what, like, How long does it take you to craft that post and what are the steps? It's, oh, that's a great question. There's so many great questions today. Yes. Um, I never get to talk about my process. So the... I would, so this surprises people, but I can get one done just depending. I can get anywhere between 15 minutes to an hour. Um, Usually, oh yeah, I can just like, I can pump them out because usually 
So I made a commitment last year to commit to doing long form carousels for a year, even if I started it and I hated it. Luckily, I started and I loved it um, because I wanted to master that form because I was like, I feel like this is the direction the platform is. I just feel like this is good for Instagram. Like this is what Instagram is for, you know, these sort of image based posts. So uh, even though they're text-based, they are images. Um, so the biggest thing I've challenged myself to do is making the ideas smaller. Um, so in terms of my process, it starts with a lot of thinking. I just switch on the old brain computer um, and I'll have a lot of ideas. Like I'll either write them down or in my the notes app on my phone or I'll just hold on to them. Um, I, I work out a lot. So I get a lot of my ideas when I'm moving and running and lifting and all these things. Um, and so I will sort of work out problems and figure out, I will figure out first how I want to start and how I want to finish. Like, okay, there's, I, I have this idea and I'll talk about shrinking the ideas in a second, but, uh, I have this idea for what I want to talk about. Here is the story that I think can open it. And here's how I think I want to close it. Like, here's what I want to leave people with. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not like an action steps, here's what, like, if I want people to take away anything from this story, what is it? And what note do I want to end on? And then I just kind of fill, <laughs> fill in the middle. It's like, I got my little sandwich. Um, but the, I, I'll, I will weirdly have the first few lines already written in my head and the last few lines already written usually before I start writing, which is why it happens so quickly. And also I've been a writer by trade my, you know, my whole career. Um, so 12 years, 12 years of practice will do that. Um, but for me, I found the best, best thing to do, especially for Instagram as a whole, is to shrink the size of the idea that you're trying to convey. Like you'll see me in my in my carousel posts name phenomena a lot. So it was just like, for so yesterday it was like, do you have a cool kid problem? Um, a while it was like the curse of competence. So like I see these issues happening and I like to name them. Mm -hmm. And then I like to tell you what they are because it's just taking one sort of idea, like this little phenomenon, here's how it is. Here's what you can do about it. And um, sort of here's the takeaway. And so I find where I really struggled in the early days, aside from formatting, because figuring out formatting on Instagram is a huge pain in the ass to make the carousel readable, because editing yourself down is hard to do, which is why the carousel format is a really good discipline. And don't let your font get below 29 point size. That is a free tip from me to you. Nothing below 29 point for your written, because that just makes it easier to read and it, it, the eye flows anyway. Yeah, so we get the font size and the formatting right. And then you just have to practice the discipline of getting clear about how do we share this idea without getting too in the weeds. Because in the early days, my ideas were just too big. Mm. It's like, what is the problem with struggling to find your USP? You know, and that could be a series of six posts. Um, and so I would start. And then, of course, because they're trying to give everybody context and background so they know where you're coming from, it gets too big and unwieldy. Um, and mm -hmm. then you're like, oh, I can't possibly edit this down or else it's going to be incomplete. And then you never post it and everything falls apart and you nobody comes to your birthday party and you die alone. Um, so that is, that is the, I think, the, the reason why I wanted to challenge myself to that format in particular. Because I think the biggest struggle, especially copywriters have, especially strategists have, is that there are these things that you want to tackle that are just so big. Yeah. They're just huge. And they're not right for social media. Social media is about bites. It's not about the whole cake. Um, and so everybody, we're trying to put on a whole cake so we can create that feeling of value. No one's going to want to eat a whole cake. 
They just want to bite. So for me, that was a big part of that carousel process and learning how to use that format because it was a process of whittling ideas down into bites. And like, you don't need to give everything, every, everybody everything right away. You can take these small aspects, which for me, a lot of the time is like, okay, so if you have a cool kid problem, which is what I talked about in my latest post, which is basically like you run your business trying to impress the judgmental people in the industry, as opposed to trying to satisfy and impress yourself. That is a bigger story of like, what holds entrepreneurs back from making the pivots they need to make, doing the stuff they need to do, having the business that they want to have, but that would never fit in a carousel post. So do you see what I mean? Yeah. So it comes down to these little, these little figuring out what these little aspects are that you can talk about and make sense and feel valuable and are relatable, but not so much that people are like, I have no idea what you just said. Yes. And I think that is the, well, you talked about like the curse of, um, what the curse, the curse of, of competence. competence. I yeah. do feel like that, that is what's happening on social media is like, we know yeah. too much. We know yes. too much. And we go look at a carousel post and we're like, I only get 10 slides. Yep. So devastating. <laughs> how do I devastating. put everything I know yep. in this time? I know. And you feel guilty because I was like, then it's like more in the caption and it's too much. It's too much. You yeah. know, and that, you see this, you pe- see people do, I bet you scold people about, I certainly hope you do, scold people about this on Reels all the time. Because people on their Reels text, it's like going too fast or it's like a huge, I'm like, who, no, but it was like, so people are like, oh, the algorithm's shadow banning me. It's like, no, nobody can read this. That's the problem. So they're going to scroll past. Yeah. It's learning how to, to move with the platform, I think is so important uh, and so annoying about social media, but it's still important. It is. It's important. It's annoying. And like, they just watched a cute cat video right before they landed on your post. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) This is the idea of like blending into the feed too, which I'm curious about you. I just, if I can flip a question back to you, like this, I I was when reading about this in like the social strategy worlds where, uh, especially for business owners, some of the trick to sort of building following aside from like creating relatable content that people like and finding your niche and blah, blah, blah. It's blending in with the feed a little bit you know yeah you learning how to match yeah yeah you kind of have to read the room yeah and i think that's the heart that's one of the hardest things to do right now because the room is changing all the time yeah so some people are networking on social media and posting on social media like it's 2019 and that's not the party that we're at right now yeah so it can be challenging um for sure and that's why i always recommend spending more time um, like kind of networking and engaging than creating content because it helps yes. you read the room a little bit better. Praise um, you. Yeah. Praise <laughs> um, Because that's, and that's a hundred percent. Like, I think people, do you remember, cause you were around for this. Do you remember in like 2015, 2016, when there were a bunch of zombie Twitter accounts cause everyone discovered Buffer yep. and they were like, oh, I'm just going to have my robot self tweet out, you know, roomy quotes every hour on the hour. Uh, and it's going to be great. I'm going to build a following on, and it didn't work. No. Like, first of all, because the, it got devalued, but because you really, if you want to make, like, if you want to, you, you get, you get out of a platform, which you put into it, I think, yep. which is annoying, but it's, that's how you're, that's how the algorithm treats you too. Like you're going to make more headway on a platform. If you're actually spending time there and actually acting like a user, than handing people something to do. So, so you don't want to be on there. Like, I think you're a hundred percent a hundred percent right. Like you have to understand how to read the room. And part of doing that is actually being there. Yeah. And I think that's a huge value you add too, because like, yes, you can and should outsource your social media to a capable team and you still need to know the rules. Yes. 
you know? Yes, 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 yes. And that's part of why, you know, if I, if I think about my own services too, my team, we all spend tons of time on social media and yeah. we tend to work with personality brands. So we still need them, right? We need yeah. them to record the video. We need their thoughts, but we can then read the room and go, okay, here's the context yes. in the world right now. I need you to say this in like 60 seconds yeah. and, and then we can turn it social content. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, and I, and I do want to kind of end on that note with your strategy because I do know you spend a lot of time on yeah. social media. So <laughs> I'm extremely you, online. It's true. Yeah. I mean, like, I have no you, kids. What else am I doing? You know? <laughs> well, that's the question, right? Like how, uh, what boundaries do you put around yourself to make sure you're not scrolling all day? Oh, well, so I have this little book here that I think everybody should read. It's called how to break up with your phone. Um, and it's by Catherine Price. So I, I'll tell you this. I went through a big phase of a big issue of phone addiction, especially in 2020. Um, it wasn't until 2021 that my sister clocked it when I was seeing my family for the first time in like two years because of COVID and everything. Cause we were all over. And she was like, you were so sucked into your phone, like you're like niece and nephew were trying to get your attention and you just like weren't present and the kids noticed. And that was like, that was like a dagger to the heart because I love my niece and nephew. I've only got, I've only got the two, you know, I don't have kids yet. My brother doesn't have kids. So I, it, I was like, okay, I have to get serious about this. Um, so this is handy. Um, this book, if you are struggling with that yourself, I think we're going to hear more and more about it in the coming years. Um, but for me, it's, it comes down to a few things. One, I don't look at my phone. I try not to look at my phone for an hour in the morning. Um, just because when you get, if you like open your eyes, pull out your phone, it does something to your brain Mm -hmm. where you're just immediate, like you just stay in that mode all day and you're staying in flight and flight, fight or flight, and you're stressed out and all those things. It's it's too much information running at my face first thing in the morning. So I try to stay offline for about an hour. Um, and then I try, I don't sleep with my phone in my room. I try to stop scrolling social media at like a certain time of night, but in terms of like what I share, and how I sort of keep boundaries and, and parasocial relationships from getting too out of hand is I really just try, I, I put walls around what I share, obviously, like I think everybody should, like you will see me feature things, little things about my life, but I keep my family off. I keep my niece and nephew off. Like you're not hearing about like me and my husband had a fight last night. Like I, I try to avoid, there are things that are saved for the diary. And then there are things that are for public consumption and you get to decide, which is beautiful. Um, so for me, I think it's been very much like, I talk mostly about the business, mostly about my work, mostly about pop culture and just like ho- my hobbies and things that I enjoy. Um, but I'm not like, I'm working on this devastating blah, blah, blah. You know, I just try to keep that to myself because A, people don't need to know. And two, that's, that's not what they come to me for. Um, I think privacy is a really, really important. And my husband and I talk about this all the time because as we're working on our own family, it's like, do we want the kids online? And the answer is no. Right. Um, I don't. Uh, because I think that that is, I think one might have a little like private Instagram where like our actual friends can see them and stuff. But it's, I think it's really, really important and it, to set good boundaries, but it also doesn't take away from the experience of you as a brand. And I think that people get really worried about like, oh, am I not being authentic if I'm not sharing everything, like the ups and downs. And it's like, People aren't coming to you for the downs, you know? I mean, unless that's like your brand. If your brand is the downs, fine. Um, but I would say it, it feels like, I don't know, have you ever come across, an, and this is 
we can edit this out, man, if you, but have you ever come across an influencer where they're going through a hard time and they're being really public about it? And it feels like work to consume that content and you want to do it because you like, you like, (laughs) you care about them as much as you can as like a consumer. And you're like, oh, this really sucks. But it's like work to take it on. And then if it keeps going, you eventually lose interest. And you're like, you should not be doing this on the internet. You should be doing this privately with your family. You know? And I think that there's that's never a line you want to cross. But I also understand why people do it. Like parasocial relationships go both ways. Mm -hmm. You you can feel connected to a person. And a person can feel really connected to their audience. And if you get in too deep, you can feel like your audience are the only people that really understand you. We see this happen a lot with like fame and celebrities and all those things. So not to get too deep, (laughs) but I would say like, those are always all the things I think about when I set boundaries. And also I try to set clear expectations about when people can expect to hear from me because my DMs go crazy sometimes and I just can't catch everybody. So I said it, I like to think that I'll have a little heart react, like if I catch it or I'll like make a little reply. But I I think I have good enough boundaries now that people don't come and because this would happen in my early days. People don't come into my DMs and just like tell me their life story and like what they're struggling with and expect me to support like that. That has happened to me a few times. And I was just like, this is not correct. So you just have to sort of set a boundary, say like, I don't think I'm the one to talk to about this. Like, I hope you have people in your life. I wish you well. Um, But I think just really setting, and I think now I have better expectations. Uh, I set better expectations about how I participate and how people are invited to participate with me, where I don't have as many people angry that I don't reply. Um, But I also, I think I have a good communication with my audience because they're awesome people with amazing taste. Um, but we have good communication about what is and isn't acceptable in the DMs and um, what I'm available for and what I'm not. I try to, you know, be a warm and open person, but not so open that anybody can just break my door down, you know, and that that's always the tricky balance. I have push notifications turned off on everything just because the DMs were getting, you know, the, the likes and those all, all those little tiny things that grab your attention away from your real life. And for me, my goal uh, always ever since I've been in my little like phone addiction recovery phase, which has been hard to, it was hard to heal from because the internet's where I work and live. Um, but I find that the biggest takeaway is that what is most important is the people in front of me, mm-hmm. you know, like my husband, my friends here, like I need to be present for my life life. Yeah. And if, as long as I'm good there, everything else tends to fall into place. Beautiful. I love this realization. I, I agree. More people are going to come to it as well. And it doesn't mean that the, like, the internet streets are going to be empty. Like We're still hanging out here. Well, we're still here. Yeah. We're still here. We're just, we're just being present in the moment that we're here. And then we're being present in the moment when we're in the physical world as well. Well said. Yeah. I love that. So as we uh, end today's episode, I want to talk about your freebie, the Statement Piece Framework. That's Tell awesome. us all about it. Oh my gosh. So the same piece framework is actually, so it's been my, it's a classic opt-in. I have people come back to it again and again. So I'm so excited to tell you all about it. So it's basically an idea generation tool for content and kind of anything that you want to create, but it's an idea generation tool for entrepreneurs who want to create things that are a little more unique. And I'm going to tell you inside of the freebie, three places you can look for ideas and inspiration that you may not think about. But once that light switch turns on, you're going to go, Oh, this is an endless well. So I really, a big part of what I do with my coaching clients and with my branding clients is to help you recognize how you think and just start to notice your own ideas and thoughts. That's where the best, most original stuff comes from. It's a discipline, it's a focus, but you can give yourself a little jump start 
by downloading the Statement Piece framework and using that to come up with some more interesting stuff that you're actually excited to write about and share. So if you're curious about doing carousel posts too, that's a good place to start. Yay, go ahead and grab it. I'll put the link in the show notes, y'all, um, onlinedre.com slash 289, and you can collect with, uh, connect with Hillary there as well. I put all her socials. Definitely check out those carousel posts on Instagram. Yes, say hi. Yeah. I won't parasocial. You come say hi. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hillary, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And you are amazing. Thank you for all you do for the rest of us, my queen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you to a listener for tuning in to another episode of the Savvy Social Podcast. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a review. Helps keep us in the top 100 marketing podcasts all because of your listenership and support. I will be back at you soon with a new episode. I'll see you then. Bye for now. <laughs>